Welcome to Faith Church. Glad you're with us. If you're kind of new around here, my name's Matthew, uh, one of the pastors, and it's a joy to have you with us. If uh, you're new and kind of want to find out more about who we are, get to know us as a church, we'd love to get to know you as well. There's a uh, a connect card you can fill out or a, a text you could text in the keyword hello to our text line man we'd love to get to know you and start the conversation in that way today is our first sunday as a church engaging and participating in advent i said earlier that advent comes from the latin uh, from a latin word that just simply means arrival and we are celebrating the arrival of christ in his birth while also still looking forward to his arrival when he returns to the earth. Uh, On Friday, on December 1st, we began a 25-day kind of devotional and journey as a church towards Advent, towards Christmas. Um, And if you kind of missed out on that or hadn't started, you you can pick up a guide out in the lobby free, those little red books, Take one home for, for each of you and grab it. And we, we want to invite you to participate with us each day. There's prayer to pray, scriptures to read. Um, there's even a, a part at the back of each kind of movement. There are four main movements in Advent focused on hope, peace, joy, and love. There's, there's a spot there in the book um, where you can even, like, if you want to take sermon notes or extended journal time, there's some options there available for you. But I hope that you will choose to participate with us. Uh, One of the elements that we are choosing to incorporate in our gatherings, in our celebration and um, kind of participation of this Advent season is with the lighting of Advent candles. Now, you may choose to have Advent, have candles at home, whether they are this color or any color, you are welcome to do that at home. There's some things in the back of your guide to help you do that. Um, and you don't have to use candles uh, if you don't uh, want to do that or have that option. It's really okay, but it is something that we decided to incorporate today. And each Sunday, I'll light one of these candles to represent the movement and the theme of Advent. And today, I'm going to light our first candle to represent hope. The candle, this worked okay the first time. There's hope. I have hope. I have hope. Ready? And somebody's going to have to bring me a rescue one. Some of you are about to pull something out of your pocket, and that's awesome. <laughs> well, anyways, come on with it. Would you? No, just light it. Light it. Light it for me. You get dubbed the, the one to do it. Thank you, my brother. You are the man. Let's pray. This is supposed to be way more holy of a moment. Let's let's pray. Oh, good Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would give us the hope that comes from Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make us instruments and distributors of your hope during this season and in our lives. We want to be hope dealers, Lord. We pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who's died for us, and and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, amen. Join me in Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33 is where we're going to begin today's reading. In in Jeremiah 33, it's it's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah is one of the prophets. A, A prophet is someone who hears a message from God, speaks it to people on behalf of God, delivering a message to people on behalf of God. And Jeremiah was a prophet during the time when the children of Israel were taken captive and led in exile out of Jerusalem into Babylon. They were being removed from their place. They were being taken captive. They had been conquered They had lost some of their own identity, and to be sure, their hope was being shattered as they were being reminded of all that they held on to was being stripped from them. 
And Jeremiah comes towards the end of, uh, of his prophecies and is proclaiming some things to them. And so we're going to read the first 18 verses. I'm going to read out loud. You can follow on the screen or on your own device there. This is what uh, the scriptures say. Jeremiah 33, starting in verse 1, it says, While Jeremiah was still confined to the courtyard of the guard, The Lord gave him this second message. This is what the Lord says. The Lord who made heaven, uh, who made the earth and formed it and established it, whose name is the Lord. He's introducing and reminding the people who the Lord is. He goes on to say, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. In other words, he says, if you want to know some things, ask. I want to, I want to share some things with you. This is the Lord that we serve. He wants to share things with us. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, you have torn down the houses of the city and even the king's palace to get materials to strengthen the walls against the siege ramps and swords of the enemy. You, you expect to fight these Babylonians, but the men of the city are already as good as dead. For I've determined to destroy them in my terrible anger. I've abandoned them because of their wickedness. He's he's saying, listen, you're, you're gearing up. You're buying all of the arms and the ammunition that you think that you need to fight and get your own revenge and to protect and to take back. And he says, vengeance is actually mine. I'll go, I'm going to do a work actually on your behalf. And he's reminding them to simmer down and settle in. For some things. And then he goes on to say this, nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I, I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people, and they will tremble in awe at the peace and the prosperity that I provide for them. This is what the Lord says. You have said this is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Judah's other towns, there will be heard once more the sound of joy and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will be heard again, along with the joyous songs of people bringing thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. They will sing, give thanks to the Lord of heaven's armies, for the Lord is good. Oh, his faithful love endures forever. He's recalling a psalm from the book of Psalms. For I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The land, though it was, though it is now desolate and has no people and animals, I will once more have pastures with shepherds that can lead their flocks. Once again, shepherds will count their flocks in the towns of the hill country, the the foothills of Judah, the Negev, the land of Benjamin, the vicinity of Jerusalem, and all the towns of Judah. I, the Lord, have spoken. The day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I have promised them. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. For this is what the Lord says. David will have a descendant sitting on the throne of Israel forever. And there will always be Levitical priests to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings and sacrifices to me. This prophecy was being spoken to a people that were in exile. Their land decimated, destroyed. No people, no animals, no life. When life is getting sucked from your midst, you feel hopeless. And here was Jeremiah prophesying and proclaiming 
a word from the Lord that was to bring hope. And the hope was that there would be a king that would come. There would be a restoration that would occur. There would be more that would happen in a way that restores some things and brings about life when it seems like everything was getting dashed um, in their own midst. You know, as a, as a kid, we, around this time of year, often were filled with hope. Maybe your kids at home are already starting to make lists for which they are hoping for. I remember when I was uh, younger, in elementary age, every year I hoped for the same thing. That I would get my own basketball goal in my yard. That I would have my own basketball goal that I could go shoot hoops and do with whatever I want. I remember hoping for this for at least five years in a row. And my hope has never been fulfilled until I was an adult and bought one for my kids. <laughs> no, it never happened. You know, as we, as we get older, our, our hope kind of shifts its con- context, doesn't it? As teenagers, we start to hope to make the team. We start to hope to not fail the class. We, we hope to uh, get asked to prom by the right person in a really creative, special way that's super Instagram worthy. Like we Hope for the scholarship to be made. We hope for all sorts of things, to get into the college that we want. But then as we go through life and we mature, our our hopes kind of shift even more. As adults, we start to hope that the little paper that we bought at the gas station that we're scratching off hits big one day. We hope to win that lottery. We hope to get the job. We hope not to lose the job. We hope to have the insurance claim go through. We hope that our marriage wouldn't be destroyed. We hope that mom wouldn't get Alzheimer's. We hope. We hope for the addiction to be gone. We hope for the loneliness to subside. We hope that there would be a reason to smile at the holidays, when everyone else is happy and you just can't seem to fake the smile anymore. We hope. I wonder if you are more like Jeremiah and the other Israelites in exile than what you thought, where your circumstances have left you feeling confined The beginning of our passage, it says that while Jeremiah was still confined, in the moment when it didn't seem like there was any end in sight, God's word came to him and began to prophesy to the people of God in exile about the arrival of hope. The question that we find ourselves as is as we go through life and hope seems to be grinded out of us, we, 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 we look at our lives and we recognize, wait a second, I used to have some positive outlook up for my life, but now I'm left with only pessimism. I used to have a, a place in my life where I was hopeful, but it's kind of grinded to a dull, eh, probably not. Why even bother? I wonder if we find ourselves like Jeremiah being confined in a space wondering, is it possible to regain hope? Wondering, is it possible to hope at all? Wondering if uh, there would ever be anything that would arrive and, and can we find hope? Where does it come from? How do we get it? How do we get it back? Is it even worth pursuing this hope? I came to give us some good news today and to remind you, hope has a name. Emmanuel. Hope has a name. It's Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a name in the Old Testament for Jesus Christ. Emmanuel means God with us. Hope is God with us. Hope is God with you. It is God with me. Hope has a name. It is Emmanuel. And and this is the hope 
that was beginning to occur in the people of God as they heard this prophetic word, as they heard the declaration, they, they were beginning to have hope arise as they looked towards the arrival, uh, towards the advent of the Son of God, as they looked towards the arrival of Emmanuel being sent to them, the arrival that brings hope, the arrival that is the Messiah, the arrival that is Emmanuel, God with us. I want to offer some thoughts today on how hope comes and how it can grow in us and how we can even reclaim hope, even if we find ourselves confined by circumstances that feel more hopeless than hopeful. What does that look like? Well, as we look at the text, I think there are a few things that we can see from Jeremiah's prophetic word to Israel that that parallel and help us pull out some principles to find hope in our day today. One of the things that we see is that hope is seeded in a promise from God. Jeremiah was giving the people a promise, but this promise wasn't just about um, uh, the, the outcome of something. This promise is actually about a person. This promise is actually about God himself. The word of God, the scripture, the story of God is about God and God is the fulfillment of the promise. God is the promise. The promise is God with us. It is Emmanuel. The the promise was in this prophetic word that came from God. The promises of God, from God, in God's word are all about God and it's who he promises to be, how he promises to be with us. The hope is seated in the promises of God. The, the, there's a parable that Jesus tells um, in the Gospels. One, one of them is in Mark chapter 4. And it talks about how God's word, the scriptures, are like seed being sown into the soil of our hearts and lives. When you read God's word, when you hear God's word, and when you recognize that the promise of God is about God himself, that becomes seed that gets planted in our hearts. And and seeds get planted in, and they are meant to produce something on the outside. It, It produces something of the very nature and life of God in us when we begin to understand who God is himself. God is the promise. And everything in the scriptures is about God. It's helping us understand him and point to him. And here was God giving a word to Jeremiah to the people of God who were in a very, very hopeless situation. They didn't feel like they could ever get out of it. And here they were confined in a space and in a place and in a land that they didn't ask to be. These these were things done to them. And here they were in a space needing hope and the word of God spoken, the word of God that they heard, the the teaching of the word of God, the, the scriptures and these prophetic words. It was stirring and seeding little seedlings of hope in their hearts. If we are in a place where we feel hopeless, we've got to go back to the word of God and allow God's word to seed in our hearts the hope of God himself. Hope starts in seed form. That seed is the word of God. And one of the things that we see in the text in the scriptures is that God's word comes to them at a time when they need it. Oh, if they ever needed a word from God, it was then. And maybe you're in a situation where hope is gone. You're in a right spot to receive a word from God. God wants to come and speak to you in your situation, in your circumstance, and reveal a promise about who he is in in this world and who he is. And he wants to come and remind you. I, I love in the text that some of the things that we see is that it, it's, it's about this whole prophecy is, is reminding us of God's power, what he can do, his might to deliver and restore, to help them reclaim and rebuild some things. It's a, in the text, we see that God is showing them important things and he wants to show them important things if they'll ask him. But you'll begin to see hope seated in you if you begin to ask the Lord to show you those things. I love that in the text that we see that God says that he's going to deliver them. 
He's going to heal their wounds. In other words, the painful markings that came to you because of the circumstance and the painful situations and the trauma moments of your life, he says, I'm going to heal those because I'm the healing God. I'm going to help redeem and restore the broken fragments of your life. He's going to bring prosperity and peace. The, this word prosperity and this word peace are, are linked kind of in, our, in the Hebrew word shalom. In other words, it's the wholeness of God. that there, there are things that are lacking and God says, I'm going to supply it so it's not lacking anymore. There's things that are missing in your life that you, you're finding a lack of significance and you're, you're seeming like there's, there's an emptiness and God says, no, no I'm going to supply that in you. That there, there's something that I'm going to give to you. It's, it's him preaching a word and a prophetic word to the people of God about him and it's seeding a sense of hope inside of them. He says, I'm going to rebuild and restore. I, I love that he uses the articulation that there'll be joy and laughter and celebration. Like, like nobody's having weddings anymore, but oh no, it's going to come again. You're going to have one again. It's going to be restored. You, you remember the, the, the first wedding you went to after COVID? Remember the first time you got to have a large gathering with people and got to see your friends face to face after COVID? You're like, oh my gosh, it's so good to be with people. Like there was a sense of joy that was restored after a long absence of those things. Some of you are just sitting there hoping that your home would be full of joy this year, that there would be laughter and reason to celebrate. Friends, the hope is being seated in our hearts. It's something God does for us and brings. And he promises them. Here, here's part of the promise that they heard. He, he promised that King David, that his line of royalty would rule and reign again and forever. Like even though there are other kingdoms that were coming in and competing, like, like it's a whole like Game of Thrones scenes where somebody's overthrowing another king and this king's getting ousted by this family line and this family line's coming in and taking over. God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm gonna get my people back on the throne. Just you watch. It's gonna happen through the line of David. And he's promising that Levites would minister to the Lord again forever and ever. That's not only representative of Jesus, who is our high priest, who is forever ministering before the Lord, but it's an invitation and an indication that we, as the people of God, are now priests in the kingdom of God, and we bring ministry to the Lord each and every day through our lives. That that's a part of us. And, and he's painting this prophetic word this, as they're hearing these words like, oh yeah, there's no animals in the land right now, but I'm gonna send shepherds. And shepherds will once again care for their flocks in the lands near Jerusalem. Lands like in Bethlehem that are outside the city of Jerusalem. Lands like out in the, 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 the desert space where there will one day be a baby born in Bethlehem and there will once again be shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night one day. Here was Jeremiah seeding the word and the promises of God to a people, helping them paint a picture in their minds about what it's going to look like when hope arrives. I think this is one of the reasons why the shepherds were some of the first to hear that Jesus had been born. When you read the Christmas story, they were some of the first ones. The angels came and announced to shepherds in fields, keeping their watch at flocks, and a whole host of uh, angels show up and say, hey, born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior being born is Christ our Lord. And it was the shepherds who went to bear witness to this for the first time. And the people who are reading um, Luke and Matthew's renderings and, 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 and telling of the story of Jesus' birth are fully aware that once... They were in exile, and there used to not be shepherds living in the land, but now there are shepherds living in the land, and oh my goodness, hope is coming. Include them to something. See, all of these components of the word of God, the promise of God, the, the things that we hear God say paint a picture in our mind. Why is that important? Here's why it's important. Secondly, hope is cultivated in our imagination. Hope is cultivated in your mind. You hear hope. Hope is seeded because of the word of God. 
But hope is cultivated, it's fertilized, it's tended to in our imaginations. Your imagination is a gift from God. You were born with a holy ability to imagine something. To see something in your mind's eye that may or may not be materialized in your real eyes yet. One of the phrases, um, kind of our tagline, if you will, for our kids' ministry here at Faith Church is that in Faith Kids, we want to inspire children's imagination so it activates their faith. See, when you get a clear picture of what hope is supposed to look like in your mind, you can begin to activate a life of loyalty and trust in God because of what you see God to be in your mind. Your imagination is an important thing. In fact, your life is moving in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. If you find yourself in a situation in your life where it's not working somewhere, there is a a thought pattern that has taken you and led you to that place, to that reality in your life. If you find yourself in a season where you feel incredibly insecure, where you feel like you don't have what it takes, you feel like hope is gone and it's not, you feel a sense of worthlessness or whatever, that is thoughts that have been allowed to incubate in your mind and be cultivated. The same way negativity moves us to a pessimistic life, so does the truth of who God is. That's seated in our hearts from the word of God, the promise of God, we then incubate it in our minds. That's why Paul would write to the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and says, brothers and sisters, above everything, I I beg of you, I plead with you, as a, a reasonable act of your worship to God, to renew your thoughts, to change the way that you think especially the way that you think about God. Hope is seeded from the word of God. The word of God reveals the character of God. And when we get a right picture of who God is, it creates the right imaginations in our mind that move us towards a God who is real and alive. Hope is cultivated in your mind. Hope is the the blueprint, if you will, of what is to come. Hebrews 11.1 says it like this. Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. Hebrews 11 in verse 1. It's the actual thing that we're hoping for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. Faith is the, the reality. It's the substance. It's the evidence of what we can't see. Faith, faith is the reality of a hope. A hope is something that, that's the, the thing. Have you ever um, built a house? I, I've got some family members. They're all in the process of building a house. And one of the things that they did as they were planning, they had blueprints and drawings drawn up of what the house will look like one day. When you look in your mind, in the reality, it was just an empty field. But the blueprints were giving them an imagination of what it will be one day. That's hope. You can start to see, oh, the cabinets are going to go here, and the countertops are going to look like this, and oh, this doorway is going to lead me here to this place. And you could begin to imagine what it's going to be like. That's hope. The picture that we have of God, the hope of what it looks like to be with God, for God to be in our lives, the hope is seeded from the word of God, but it's incubated, it's cultivated in our imagination to help us see what is possible. In other words, hope is the thing that you see before you see it. I see inside from the word of God and the character of God what a marriage is supposed to look like so that I will one day see it with my eyes what it's going to look like and be like. I'm going to see here what it looks like to to have godly friendships. I'm going to see what God's word is saying and, and it's going to create a picture and a blueprint for what it looks like to have a flourishing life before I ever see it with my eyes and live out a flourishing life. See, the word of God seeds the truth of God in our hearts, and then we use our imaginations to begin to dream. Oh, it's going to have shepherds all around. Oh, the people are going to be singing, and it's going to be joyful and laughter. And I, oh, I can just imagine what Christmas morning is going to look like and the kids and the things, and oh, it's going to be this and it's that. And it's stirring hope inside of us. 
stirring hope inside of us. Friends, there are two incredibly important ways in which hope is cultivated in our imagination. The words that you say and the thoughts that you think. Your words are powerful. In fact, Scripture says your words that you say out loud bring life or death. It doesn't mean that like you manifest and magically make appear whatever it is that comes out of your mouth. But it's that whatever you say with your mouth shapes your thoughts. And your thoughts direct your life. Are are we tracking? This is why watching what you say helps watch what you think. And if what you're thinking isn't so good and helpful and holy and aligned with who God says, then it's time to start talking the right things so that you begin to think the right things. One of the greatest ways that we can do this is through song. As you sing, you are saying things. As you sing, you are saying things and it's reinforcing thoughts. This is why worship songs, it's really important that worship songs are linked to the actual truth about God. All the hopeless can come to Jesus. The dead come back to life. That's redemption and renewal in two sentences. We're singing about the redemption of God and the renewal of God in our songs. Why? Because it's the truth about God. The more you sing, the more you think about, the more you think about, the clearer the picture of hope comes. And it all stems back from the truth of what God has said. On our central hub, there's a resource. Uh, There's a card on the front page of our central hub. I believe it's on the front page. It's um, Spotify playlist, our worship sets. The songs that we sing on Sunday, we've put in a free Spotify playlist where you can go and listen on your own, at your home, to the songs that we're singing during a period of time at our church. We do that intentionally. One, because we want you to know the songs so that you don't feel awkward about not singing. You can, you know, know the songs and be familiar with them. But two, it's a resource to help you be a worshiper, to sing songs that help your imagination tune in to the right blueprint of who God is because that's where hope is cultivated. This leads me to the last thought. And that's this, that hope is rooted in the presence of God. So as we're singing and we're worshiping, we're actually expressing our affection and creating an attention towards God. Worship. Hope flourishes in the presence of God. In order for something that started as a seed, planted in the ground, that gets cultivated... In order for it to ever emerge and appear and flourish, it has to develop roots. Being in the presence of God roots you into the hope that God is calling us to. Rooted in the presence of God. I love that in Jeremiah 33, they said, oh, you're going to hear about this hope. And the word of God was coming. And one of the things it says, and you will sing for joy. Oh, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, he is faithful. His love endures forever. Why? Because the song becomes a soundtrack for our hope. Our songs also can become a soundtrack of our despair. The words that we sing and we think about that. It's meant to bring hope alive on the inside because it roots us into the very presence of God. There's something that happens in the the presence of God as we worship and we sing that, that, man, it allows the roots to begin to grow from the things that we've been cultivated in our imagination that have been planted and seeded in our hearts from the words that we've heard about God. In Luke chapter 1, we, we see the beginning buds beginning to emerge from the promised seeds of Jeremiah's words. Go with me to Luke chapter 1. 
This is the beginning. It's beginning to root. It's beginning to bud and flourish. This advent of hope was just beginning to arrive and emerge from the ground. In Luke chapter 1, we see an angel coming and speaking to Mary. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of who? Oh, King David. How about that? What do you know? Wasn't Jeremiah's prophecy about someone coming in the line of King David to sit on the throne forever? Starting to emerge. The seeded hope incubated their imagination is beginning to take root and seed and emerge. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. Underline that phrase. We're going to come back to it. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean by this. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, um, just question, practically speaking, um, how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Here's, here's the fulfillment of the promise is seen in the power of God. The hope that we have is the promise of God. The context of Jeremiah 33's promise is the fact that God was reminding them of his power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born and, and will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And once more, oh, your relative Elizabeth, she's become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren because she was but she has conceived a son and is now in the sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Will you say that phrase with me? The word of God will never fail. Hope starts as a seed from the word of God. Hope is cultivated in the imagination about what, it look, what God has said. And hope begins to emerge as it's rooted in the very presence of God. The, the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, um, you have found favor in God's sight. You're favored. That, that word favor in the original language in the Greek comes from a root that means gift. It's from the root of, of carrot. It means gift. It means grace. It's something undeserved. The word favored means a gift that you don't deserve. Hang with me for just a second. The favor that you don't deserve is a person. He's the personification of grace. His name, Holy Spirit. Hey, Mary, you are favored by God. The Lord is with you. The favor of God is not in the material possessions and benefits of a flourishing life lived rooted in the presence of God. No, the favor of God is seen in the fact that God gives us his spirit to live and abide in us. <laughs> the grace, the unmerited favor of God is a gift 
that Jesus said he would give to every believer that gift, his name, is Holy Spirit within you. The very life and spirit of God is the gift that represents the favor of God. You do a study throughout the Bible when people are favored by God. You know what it means? The Holy Spirit is active in their life. To be highly favored is to recognize that God has seen fit to allow his very spirit in life to live and operate in your life and my life. Hope is rooted in the very presence of God. Favor is the presence of God. I love that in this message to the angel, or from the angel to Mary, that the angel tells her it's the fulfillment of all the things that the prophets have talked about. The word of God is coming to fruition. It will never fail. And one of the things that he gives to Mary is a sign, an illustration, if you will, of his power at work. I love that he says, Elizabeth, your cousin, who is old, beyond the age of naturally being able scientifically to have a child, who also throughout her whole life scientifically and biologically never could have a child, who is in a constant state of desiring a child but never getting a child, who has lived confined to the reality and the label of barren, marked by the world, forgotten and unfavored. Oh, your cousin Elizabeth, she's going to have a child too. In other words, I love that was giving Mary a living example of hope being realized so that Mary in her own mind can imagine what a miracle from God looks like. Here's Mary. How in the world is this going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come and I'm going to have a baby? I don't know how this is going to work. How is it going to work? The same way it worked for Elizabeth, it'll work for you. God's going to do it by his power. God's going to come through. And, and I love that it was the fact that they, it was because she was, it was somebody else that was helping. Why, why, why are you saying this, Pastor? Here's why. Because when we gather with the people of God, we gather as the people of God, and Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there my presence is. See, because when you're missing hope, you can go with the people of God, being rooted in the presence of God, where God promises to be, and hope that you're missing can be seen by hope somebody else has. And I begin to see, wait, God God forgave them of their sins. He can forgive me of my sins. God provided for them financially when they were in a terrible situation. Maybe God can provide for me. They got healed. Maybe God would heal. They were rejected and and an outcast in society and felt like their life was at a dead end going nowhere. But God forgave them and redeemed them and they can belong in a place. And people are friendly here and they're loved here and they're not judged here. And they're like, hey, hey, because among the people of God, the presence of God shows up. It's not just in the songs that we sing. That's a part of it. But it's in being with the people of God presence of God brings about the hope of God and we see it in others and we think it can happen here too we begin to see what does it look like for hope to come what does it look like for the arrival of hope will it for the children of Israel look like the coming of a king For us today, knowing Jesus has arrived one time, it looks like his arrival the second time. And we see that described in Revelation chapter 22. It says, There will no longer will there be a curse upon anything, the renewal of all things. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. 
and his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there. There will be no need for lamps or sun for God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. See, when Jesus arrives the second time and he renews all things, his presence remains with us forever and ever and ever in a new way, in a new dimension that we've ever seen before. And we will get to see our God, our Savior, our Lord face to face. And until that time comes, we gather with the people of God, rooting our hope in the very presence of God, embodied and seen in others, knowing that it's going to happen in the future. This is our hope of Advent. Because hope has a name. It's Emmanuel. It is God with us. Would you stand with me? Hope is seated in our hearts through the word of God. Hope is cultivated in our imagination. Hope roots us in the very presence of God. Doesn't happen the first time. See, see, hope is one of those things that starts in seed form, which means it takes time for it to grow larger and larger. Doesn't happen the first time. You come to the presence of God, you come to the people of God, there's something that stirs in you. Okay, that's good. There's something here. But it's the consistent over time of staying rooted instead of uprooting, we stay rooted. Instead of uprooting, and we, we instead of pulling out hope, well, I tried the God thing one time and it didn't really work for me. I was baptized six times and, you know, nothing. I, was, I read my Bible once. I read it again the next time and I, nothing. I prayed, I didn't hear nothing. A seed in the ground is planted. Some people would say it's buried. It starts as a seed, though. And the longer you leave the seed in the ground, cultivating around it, letting it grow some roots, the more you begin to see it emerge and flourish. The beginning of 2019, we did a 40 days of prayer as a church and in that time I talked about the domino effect I preached a message called the domino effect how with one little domino over time you can see big results and and, and time with the Lord communion with the Lord prayer with the Lord being rooted in the presence of God over time produces exponential compounding results the longer you kept going with it. The domino effect is kind of comes about in 1983. A physicist named Lorne Whitehead published an article in the American Journal of Physics entitled The Domino Chain Reaction. And he said this, Whitehead's intriguing discovery was simply this, that a domino is capable of knocking over another domino that is one and a half times its size. So a two-inch domino can topple a three-inch domino. A three-inch domino can topple a four and a half-inch domino. And what is fascinating is that by the 18th domino, you could knock over something as tall as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The 23rd domino could knock over the Eiffel Tower. And by the 28th domino, you could knock over something the size of the Empire State Building. All because one started it. One small seed of hope can grow in the presence of God, incubating by the truth of God in a way where God can come and do immeasurably more, Ephesians 4, than you could hope, dream, or imagine, according to the power of God at work in you 
through Christ Jesus, Ephesians tells us. Ephesians 3.20. You might feel hopeless today, but let hope come in the small form of a seed, one domino. And watch over time as you keep your hope in God, keep incubating, keep cultivating, and keep staying rooted in the presence of God. Watch what God can do in the arrival of God himself and the power of God in your life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Jesus, I don't know the situations that people feel confined by today. The things that have kind of eaten away at their own hope. The number of times they've pleaded and prayed, the the times, God, that they've maybe just failed and uprooted and felt like they've lost hope. God, I, I don't know what everyone's walking through today. But I pray that today you would help us to have some hope from your word seated in our hearts. God, may we watch the words of our mouth and the thoughts in our mind as we incubate in our imagination and cultivate this hope to grow. And Lord, would you help us just stay rooted and consistent, planted in the right thing, knowing that over time there's a compounding interest of hope that grows in us as we keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, in your presence. God, would you restore hope to us today? Lord, we thank you that hope has a name. Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub faithchurchks.org you'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him hey we love you and until we get to hang out again remember don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus